0: Welcome to the podcast that's dedicated to helping business owners get the most from their life's work and get their business ready for exit. Today, I've got Rob Goddard, who's the founder and executive chairman of Evolution CBS, CBS Complete Business Sales. Now, Rob has personally helped businesses, 350 I think it was his last count, I'm sure he'll correct me in a minute, uh, successful exits. And he himself is now in the enviable situation where his business no longer needs him involved on a day to day basis. That must be a great feeling. Welcome, Rob. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, 358.
1: So you're almost, almost there.
0: (laughs) Almost there. So uh, keeping good tally. Yeah,
1: I've made that transition that many business owners struggle to make, which is to go from being an operator to an investor. And if you can do that, then time opens up for you and you can do lots of other interesting things in life that you never had time to do when you were growing, nurturing your business.
0: It's the complete journey, isn't it? And I think it is the, you know, the dream scenario for many business owners to have their business in the background that doesn't need them on a day to day basis. I think the reality is that for many business owners, they they the business requires them to be there to make decisions, get involved, and to even perform important day-to-day tasks. So why don't we just start there and go? Well, how did you achieve it? How did you get? How did you get your business to reject you? Shall we say the secret sauce,
1: Daryl? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, exactly. Um, it well, I have to say, it took years, not months. It's, it it uh-huh. wasn't overnight. And I struggled throughout because it's letting go. And most owner managers don't want to let go. But I came to the realization uh, over time that actually um, the business could grow bigger and better without me at the day to day if you employ the right people.
0: Yeah, the right and people. And have the so right it's about structures. talent
1: acquisition. I, it's spent years and I've built up a really talented, an experienced senior leadership team. And we've also got people within the business as well that are very good at doing different tasks. When I set up this business as a one-man band 12 years ago from a, broad, uh, from a bedroom and a broadband connection, um, I did all the jobs because there wasn't anyone else. Exactly. <laughs> um, so it, it's about getting the functions that you used to do as the owner over time, done by other people who arguably could be better than you. <laughs> and I, I, it comes hard, doesn't it, for a lot of owners, that there are what? other people out there that might be better.
0: That's, yeah, it's a, a bit of pill to swallow that. And and it sounds like, I think, yeah, you, you just opened the book at page one of the e-myth.
1: Yeah, look, do you know what? Most business owners have read the e-myth and some the e-myth revisited, and they acknowledge all the principles, and then they ignore it. They don't implement what they've read. So you, think, can, you can have head knowledge, can't you, Daryl? But actually, the really important thing is to implement it in your life.
0: Yeah, to know and not do anything is is really not knowing. Um, and you've got to implement it. The value comes from the implementation. And, and I'm sure Gerber realized that when he wrote the book, because, uh, you know, the value comes. It just gets a message out there on the book. And he built a consulting business behind it to show everyone how to do it. did. It
1: Great. Right. So, One of the hallmarks that I knew I was on the right path was um when I went on I, I take quite a lot of family holidays, six or seven a year. And uh whenever I nice. went on holiday, the business did better in that month. <laughs> <laughs> so in fact, the start the team were telling me, Rob, keep staying away. Because the business has never had it so good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So now
1: I have several holidays a year. The the summer one is two months. We've got a place uh, abroad, nice place right uh, on the shores of the Mediterranean. Um, I can only go away for two months with the family because the team are better at doing all those functions I used to do. They're better at doing it than me. And that's how you scale a business, of course, isn't it? You can't do it as a one man band. You have to bring in others to scale up the
0: business. Yeah. And I think yeah you alluded to earlier that for, for so many business owners, and I've seen this in my life as a coach in the past as well, that so many business owners get stuck at that one million pound revenue. Why? Because they're control freaks and they're struggling to let go. And it's figuring how to let go and delegate and maintain control. So have a structure that allows you delegation and maintain control that allows you to make those steps and move forward. So, uh, Congratulations. You are one of the few to get there.
1: <laughs> Thank you. I might write an, another book about it one day.
0: Yeah, OK. Well, <laughs> Looking for
1: the other side, how I achieved you've the, got the, the lifestyle that I wanted. Well,
0: I'm sure there's <laughs> value in that, On a, beach. <laughs> On a beach getting a uh, pinnacle I think
1: so. I, I, I just got to come up with a catchy title. So let me know if something comes to mind. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hey, so Rob, we're here to talk about exit planning and helping business owners get their businesses ready for exit. And and one of the things that often comes up is when we first start talking to a business owner who who is interested in exit, they've always got a number in their head and it's a magic number. And yeah, it's amazing how often that number here in the UK is one, five or 10 uh, of of what they think the business is worth. Um, What's your experience around that, and how do you deal with that when, when they go, hey, Rob, I want to sell my business for X? <laughs> well,
1: I, I usually turn it back on them to say, well, why do you want to sell? What's the motivation? It's the old Simon Cynic, isn't it, the reason why? And yeah. it's not just to play games in a conversation. Um, we know unless the motivation and commitment is strong on the part of a potential seller, the deal is very likely to fall over um, later on. So we want to know why do you want to sell? Why now? And how much? And they usually sidestep the how much. They don't normally tell us up upfront. Um, they usually smile and be a bit coy and say, "Well, that's why I've come to speak with you. You value the business." And we say, <laughs> "No, no, um, that's not the question I asked. I w- we want to know what do you need the business to be worth." for you to sell your shares to move on and open up a new chapter in your life. That's different to valuing the business. There could be a big gap between what it's worth today and what it needs to be worth for you to move on and do something else in life. And, uh, that's usually when they come out with the, uh, the one of three or four valuations that you've just mentioned there. Um, <laughs> so two things there's no science behind it because it's a very round number, isn't it? 1 million, yeah. 5 million, uh, there's no relation to p and or balance sheet um usually i've found though if, if they say five million well if there's five shareholders they'll want five million daryl four yeah. shareholders four million. Four mil. <laughs> <laughs> everyone wants to be a cash millionaire overnight yeah. um, so no i so i think that's where the education process starts and arguably When working with somebody like yourself, making a business, preparing a business for sale, you've got to know what the starting point is, typically. And that is a realistic, prudent price for the business. I say price because it's usually born out of a multiple of profit or some sort of financial metric. That's not the market value. That's what it might be. If you went to an accountant, that's probably what they would come up with, that number.
0: It's a starting point, isn't it? Because you and I both know the reality is a business is worth what someone's willing to pay for it. Oh, absolutely.
1: And if you get competitive attention, you're going to drive up price. Yeah. Then it then it goes beyond the P&L and balance sheet. Now it's about strategic advantage and what your business might be worth to that particular
0: buyer if they were lucky enough to buy your shares. Absolutely. And you've got to make the business, get the business into a position where it becomes attractive to a, a wider range of people who are interested, yeah, not and just I'd, a competitor.
1: Yeah. And, and the majority of businesses that approach us are not ready for sale. I can yeah. say that after 20 years of doing this, they are not ready. In fact, I had one yesterday, um, a smaller business. It's too small for us yeah. um, because we only usually work with businesses over 5 million in turnover. Um, but that doesn't stop me spending an hour on the phone with a fellow business owner trying to give them a little bit of a heads up and a, a reality check and as a bit of guidance. Now, um, the price they wanted was double what it's probably worth on paper. Yeah. So I said that to him. And he said, yeah, yeah, but I want more. <laughs> I said, well, you I said you you can spend money with a, an intermediary or a third party to take it to market and sell it. Um, but I think you're going to be disappointed. And he said, yeah, you're right. I have got an offer. Although, why don't you tell me that at the start? <laughs> <laughs> he, and, and it was the figure that I'd given him.
0: <laughs> it <was> exactly.
1: <laughs> and, and, he, and I said, so why haven't you accepted it? He said, oh, because um, it's only fi- uh, 25% on day one and, and 75% on a three-year drip, Oof. something called an earnout. So I said, and that's not acceptable to you. He said, no. I said, well, well, they're doing that. They're back end loading the deal because this is a high risk transaction because you haven't put things right in the business that you need to put right to make it attractive. So I mean, so that's not business for us. And even if it was in the right space for us, I wouldn't have taken on the mandate because we couldn't
0: get we can't get in the price that he's looking for. Yeah, to double the price of the, the value of a business, it's 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 not just playing with the accounts and adjusting the accounts, is it? Because any due no. diligence is going to see right through that. There's some fundamental work that needs to be put in place and it takes time and it's it's getting your business ready for exit. Okay. And yeah, you know, the old valuation, isn't it? Why well, I want more? Well, it owes me this. <laughs> <laughs> the buyer doesn't care what you think it owes you. I'm sorry.
1: Do you know what the sad thing is though, Daryl? He's already, because usually when people speak with us, they're speaking with two, three, four other intermediaries right. and they're doing a beauty parade. Yeah. And I, I tend, it tends to be, the feedback I get is that I've said something that other people haven't, which worries me about our industry on selling businesses, because um, he's probably likely, he'll, he'll acknowledge what I've said as, as, as wisdom from someone who's done it successfully 358 times in 20 years. Yeah. But he will ignore it and he'll go with a broker or a, a business advisor. He'll spend money and it won't it probably won't be successful. And that's the sad thing, really.
0: It, it is a shame. And, and it, it goes back to uh, conversations that that I guess I've recognized is I think. Business owners, there's been the literature over the last, I don't know, 30, 40 years has been about educating business owners that you need to get out of your business. You've got to work on your business and not in your business. And that principle is widely accepted. And business owners know that. They may not do it, but they know that they should be doing it. And they might even feel guilty for not doing it. Where I think we're at to now is that Business owners, we need to start educating business owners that you know once you've got out of working on your business, you need to start preparing your business, or or even before, but have your business so it's exit ready. No one, I don't think, it to up until now, has been educating business owners that you need to get there's things you need to do to prepare your business for exit, and it's not just a quick fix. And and some of these principles you know overlap from you know. Working on your business, and there are some other things that you need to do as well. And why? Because we don't want business owners to end up like this guy who approached you yesterday and be caught and offered a, a three-year earnout, because we know all that risk is still on them because the business is too dependent on them. And I know I'm preaching you, you know, to the converted yeah, yeah. here, but um, we want to get the business so that it doesn't require an earnout because just too many business owners who have an earnout don't see them through because they can't work for the new boss. The the old boss was crazy, they tell us, but the new boss is even worse.
1: Yeah, uh, just something you said there a moment ago, use the expression sale ready and you're spot on because um, you may not sell your business. You may keep it as a pension for life, but you step back from the day-to-day running, but it's still an investment that will generate income via dividends for you, maybe a salary. So there are different ways um, of achieving, in inverted commas, an exit. It may not be selling to a third party, but getting its sale ready means that if you get a call out of the blue from a potential buyer for your business, and they're usually a competitor, so you've got to take it with a pinch of salt and be very careful what you share with them about your business, if they're a direct competitor.
0: Well, there's a top Uh, tip. Make sure you hear that, listeners.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And look, even if you never sell your business, but you've made it sale ready with people I know that you work with, your clients, Daryl, they've got a bigger, better business. And that means they can earn more from it, even if they never sell it. Well, what's what's not to like? It's a no-brainer, really, isn't yeah. it?
0: Let's it, face well, it? It is, isn't it? You're bang on. Sale ready. I, I use the term exit ready, but it's takes yeah, yeah, the yeah. same thing. Yeah, exit ready. A business that takes it ready is more profitable. And more fun to run. You don't hate it anymore. You'd love it. Um, and the other thing I think that you were alluding to there is that when someone, a competitor or someone approaches you, you're no longer on the back foot. You're on the front foot. You know exactly where you stand. You're not reacting. You're proacting. And you can reject the offer straight away or go, you know, give me a serious offer. You, you're not, you know, it's on you. you get to exit on your terms, um, which is a powerful place to be.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you know what? You're, you're, you're right. You're absolutely right. Because if you get um, a company approach you, and we often get flattered if they're a bigger company in our sector that expresses an interest to acquire, yep. um, and they make an offer, an offer of your dreams, and you're not ready, you can lose them because they're not waiting around for you to get your ducks in a row. They won't mm-hmm. wait around for <coughs> six months for you to get your financials and, and the uh, slice-and-dice information and KPIs and conversion rates uh, ready. They wanna be get, um, they're going to be wanting to start the process within weeks, not years.
0: Well, they, they've made an offer based on what you've told them. Yes. And then, then they start doing due diligence. And if you're not exit ready, they go, well, you told us this, so we made the assumptions that all this stuff was in place. I'm sorry, it's not. Well, that offer no longer stands. It's now this offer. Oh, and now we're doing a bit more fact-finding and found out a bit more, and, and look, this isn't in place. These other assumptions weren't good. So here's now the offer. And and six or 12 months down the track, you know, you end up with what, half or, or three-quarters of but, uh, and an earning. Right. You're right. When, when I started
1: my first job in the early 80s, I worked for NatWest as a, as a junior. And my first job on my first day was to, when we had checks, lots of checks, it was someone's job. <laughs> to check that the figure in the box for the check matched the words that were written on the check and i've always said there's a word and figure difference because if you say things when you're selling your business that don't match up to the paperwork you're going to get caught out and it it, it's not necessarily that the business owner is looking to deceive they forget or they and, and this is particularly business owners um, that like you and I are involved with sales for many years, um, we can. there is a habit we can fall into is to talk too much. <laughs> and the more you say, the more you can trip yourself up later. So uh, you're absolutely right. Make sure that what you say in a negotiation meeting matches up with the paperwork.
0: Yeah. So we're both on the same page, uh, Rob. And um, I'm guessing having done 358 exits... <laughs> Um, and 20-odd years experience, you must have enough information there to write a book.
1: <laughs> I have, funny enough, yes. I, I mean, it, I, I, I can't do 358 case studies, but I've condensed it into one very readable book, probably two evenings, it's 140 pages. And uh, I, it, I have one here, <laughs> which <How about that? laughs> is the 11 commandments and the seven cardinal sins of selling a business and yeah. uh I, what I wanted to do uh, i mean people can go on amazon and buy it but in but alternatively they can just link with me on linkedin send me a request and i'll send a free copy out to them because i want business owners to receive information knowledge and food for thought based on experience from someone who's done it a few times before so that they they go down the right path um statistically in the uk less than one in five businesses sell, less than one in five. It's scary, isn't it? It is. And if you had a business that was producing widgets and over 80% failed when a customer bought it, you'd be really worried, wouldn't you, about quality control (laughs) in your business? Uh, Most businesses never sell. And there's a whole list of reasons why not. So that's why in the last 20 years I've been on this crusade almost. To, to get the message out, and I know that you share that value and that, that intent as well, Daryl, which Absolutely. is why we're doing this podcast.
0: Hey, Rob, that's a really generous offer, and I, and I just want to highlight. So connect to Rob Goddard, uh, Evolution CBS on LinkedIn, I guess. Um, put in your connection message. I'd love a copy of your book, and uh, and it'll go from there. That's generous. I really yeah. appreciate you putting And on out.
1: LinkedIn, I mean, you know this because you follow it. I, I put quite a bit of content out most yeah. weeks free content for business owners. Again, the same thing, little short clips, little gems that they can take with them. And I've got, well, over 12,000 following now um, following the videos and the articles that I put up on LinkedIn. So it, it is about getting information. And then it's about doing something and getting someone with, with them like you to help steer them down that path of preparing the business for an eventual exit.
0: And and like you, we produce a lot of content. We've got a, a thriving YouTube channel. Listeners, look, Rob's stuff is quality. It's not salesy at all. It's no. it's very informative. It's from a man who has has years of wisdom in the industry, and and is all about helping business owners get the most from their life's work. So I encourage you to connect to Rob and follow. Um, That'll okay. put you at three times the followers that, that I've got. But <laughs> it's it's all good, isn't it? Um, Hey, so the 11 commandments and the seven cardinal sins. If you were to just pick two or three, what, what, what are the key messages that you, you think are worth uh, highlighting here, Rob?
1: From the must-dos or the cardinal sins?
0: Well, let's start with the must-dos, the commandments. Since, um, since you've gone one above 10 commandments. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, a key one is to create competitive tension. The reason it's key is that when you have more than one buyer for something that you're selling, you can drive up price and improve terms. I've always said that one buyer is no buyer. And uh, the reason why this is a key commandment for business owners that are thinking about selling is that don't get tempted to follow one potential interest. Um, Because if they know they're the only show in town, they are going to beat you down on price. You're going to be selling at a discount and you're going to be putting most of the sale price on an earnout because what choice have you got you've either accept their offer or hobson's choice isn't it or no it's either yes or no it's binary whereas if you uh, have a number of potential bidders for your business and we can get round the table on average with eight uh yes. for our clients each time now nat- those eight people will generate four offers all of which will decline very politely and go back with a commercially reasoned argument as to why they should sharpen their pencil. But when you've got four off formal offers, you're in the driving seat as the seller. But yeah. a lot of business owners um, fall foul of uh, just thinking that the one company in front of them, the one company that's approached them, who want to buy them off market, by the way, there's no advantage to selling your business off market, only to the buyer, not to yeah. the seller. So definitely create competitive tension. And we know this, don't we? Deep down as business owners, you need to create a market to sell your uh, products and services.
0: So why would it be any different when you're selling your business? Yeah, you want to be in, as you say, the driver's seat. We talk about front foot versus back foot. You know, you want to sell your business on your terms. That means you are in the driver's seat. You're not reacting to someone who's come and made you an offer out of the blue. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. The the other thing is actually... um, and I, I would say this is the first one that, you, that a business owner ought to consider and ponder on, which is think about life after sale first. What are you going to do when you're not working 60, 70, 80 hours a week, working weekends, taking the laptop and the mobile on family holidays and really cheesing off the family and the kids? What are you going to do when that life's gone? And it isn't about the money from the sale proceeds. It's never about the money. It's about having significance and purpose in life and adding value to something because none of us want to retire. Once we've been entrepreneurs and been masters of our own destiny, um, uh, we don't want to retire in the traditional sense. And and of course, the next step after retirement is death. And no one wants to die too early. Mm. So um, when you're thinking about an exit strategy, think about the life that you want to lead lead once you've sold your business in a year's time and and selling the business will help you fund that lifestyle and so that's I mean that's a key principle key commandment for business owners and that's actually the fun one I think because you've got a blank sheet of paper and you can architect you can create the life that you want to lead because now you won't have a business to run that's taking up the majority of your hours in the week
0: on that one, Rob, I think that one's critical. So in your experience, how many business owners have put the kibosh, if you like, on their own sale because they don't know what they're going to do after, next? Uh, one
1: in three. Yeah. Because, <laughs> uh, funny enough, we do monitor this. Usually what happens, Daryl, is they um, they ring up. So they'll say, oh, hi, Rob. Yeah, yeah, the process has gone really well. Really pleased with the team, um, what they're delivering. We've got some good offers in. I said, right. And then you're waiting for the butt, aren't you?
0: Yeah, you can um, hear
1: it. But we've had a discussion. They always blame the other shareholders. <laughs> <laughs> and we think well, we want to put things on hold for a couple of years. Oh, right, really? Yeah, yeah. And then we'll come back to you, for sure, and uh, we'll remarket the business through you. So then I, I leave a, a brief gap and I say, so what are you frightened of? And in, almost invariably, invariably, really, they're scared because they're scared of the the life they're about to jump off a cliff. They they the cliff they know because it's their business and they get a sense of security. They are a legend often in their own lunchtime. They've built their own microclimate. Um, you know, people go to them for their sage uh, uh, sage and wise counsel. You know, staff um, that life is going and uh it's they've realized that there's more to life than money so yeah one in three so we'd rather not because we make our profit on the back end from a success fee we don't really want clients backing out (laughs) particularly if we've got really good offers that we've negotiated well exactly operational price
0: yeah it's it's interesting (laughs) you say that because it's something
1: (laughs) we try to weed them out yeah
0: We've experienced that as well. And, and and one of the first parts of our 21-step our exit process is we understand what, what's life after work look like for you. We need to help the business owner create a vision and therefore get excited about what's next. Because if yeah. they know where they're going, they know what their destiny is, there's nothing scary about that. And, oh. and they're excited about going there and there's nothing going to stop them. But when they don't know, it's scary and unknown, so they'll, they'll block it. So
1: do you know, with the two-thirds that don't get scared and yeah. carry on and, and complete, well, uh, heading for completion, do you know the next thing that comes up as a bump in the road? Um, say the, 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 they told us at the outset we want at least 10 million. That's their aspirational price. And uh, once we get to 12 million, they now want 15 million. <laughs> <laughs> I could use a so I'll be ungracious if I use the word but I think people could tell, um stick to what <laughs> we, we we do we do remind clients of the ideal price aspirational price that they would have they would love to achieve in their wildest dreams and once we've achieved that um, they want us to, they they move the bar up <laughs> so that is a frustration but um, at the end of the day, we charge 3% on the back end. So 3% of a bigger number is, is, is very win, but win, I, win. I do find this though. I think what it is to do with Daryl is usually selling a business is a one off thing in someone's life. It's usually yep. the biggest single transaction of their life. And they want to make sure yep. they squeeze the lemon. They yep. get as much as they can because no business seller wants to find out a few years down the line that they undersold.
0: Yeah, that's true. As much as what they say at the time, they, you know, <laughs> business owners, they've been maximizing profit, they want to maximize the value of their business. And, yeah, and, and you and I started this conversation by going, hey, look, there's no way they're going to maximize the value unless they plan. Yeah, it's that getting maximum value is not an accident. Getting higher than your industry standard multiple doesn't happen by accident. It's not a fluke. You yeah, know, it. It only happens because they've got certain initiatives and structures and strategies in place, and they've put there and demonstrated adding value. And all they do is lower the risk for the buyer. And when they do due diligence, they they see all of this stuff. You know, it doesn't appear on the balance sheet. These are things that add value to your business that aren't on the balance sheet. And, you know, that's what we need to get business owners starting to look at their business as an asset. I mean, you're right, because the, where there's lower
1: risk, there's a higher price. It's a mm-hmm. risk-reward ratio, isn't it, that we all know? Um, and I, I'm, as you know, I've shared with you, I'm, on the, I'm, I'm actually buying in the process of uh, acquiring a few companies at the moment. I'm not going to run them. I've given that up. <laughs> I've got a delivery team I'll parachute in. But it's really interesting being the other side of the table, because now as the buyer... I'm listening to what I'm being told. And these are people that are unrepresented. They've got no third party, uh, no advisory firm. They're doing it themselves. They're winging it. And so far, most of the meetings I've had, they've really let themselves down, the potential sellers.
0: Trying to save a few bucks.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, uh, you know, people... People don't want to spend money on good professionals, do they? They want to try and save on on fees. And uh, I've always known this, but I've known it from the sell side. But on the buy side, um, usually the common areas, and it goes into the cardinal sins in the book. Um, a key one is they don't know their numbers. I sound like Alan Sugar, don't I? Oh, <laughs> Lord, Lord Sugar. Is it Sir Lord? I can't remember. Was it Dane Alan Sugar? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, but it's it's true A oh, Dragon's Den um, they, they don't know their numbers the basics I had one a couple of days ago that hadn't filed their end of year was June uh, in uh, last year and uh, I said uh, you haven't sent your draft accounts to me that I asked for and they said no no they're still draft right so what was turnover and what was bottom line don't know it's with the accountant, and the accountant's in hospital with COVID, and he may not make it. And I, I'm thinking, so I said, Well, I'm really sorry to hear about your accountant. That sounds dreadful. Um, but I'm only asking for the top line and bottom line. I'm not asking for a breakdown. They didn't know. No. They didn't know their numbers. And that's like driving down the end, around the M25, looking in your rear view mirror, isn't it? As a business owner, if you don't know... you well, we should numbers. have
0: taken that exit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you can see where you've been, but yeah. you're not looking ahead. Yeah. And so uh, that's my plea to business owners. One of the cardinal sins is not having proper accounting and financial information to make decisions in your business. And when you're coming to sell your company, it's mandatory. You've got to have that. And if your accountant isn't up to the job, get rid of your accountant because <laughs> your business if it's grown, it's probably um, outgrown your accountant. And if that's true, then change them. Because your accountant could, if they're not up to the job, when they're sitting in front of PwC or Deloitte's in a negotiation or due diligence, they could lose you the deal because the numbers don't make sense or there's errors. Um, so, I mean, that's a, that's a key cardinal sin, really, is... Get, know your numbers and get f- robust financial reporting, monthly management accounts, so you can actually see where the business is today and also forecast ahead. You know, what's the next couple of years? I know it's difficult at the moment, particularly <laughs> at the moment, but most people can forecast prudently.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, if you haven't got that, you're on a hiding to nothing when you're trying to sell the business because yeah. it will be exposed in due diligence.
0: Well, it's one of these areas that just demonstrates you're really not in control. You're just winging it day by day, and therefore we need you in the business when we take over uh, to keep an eye on things because you haven't set up the tools and infrastructure that show us how to keep an eye on things. So we've got to get that. We've got to unpack your head um, after we've bought it. So we'll just pay you later down the track if you don't mind.
1: I do do empathize a bit with business owners that never really use – financial reporting and and forecasting they run their business off the bank balance that day that's how they make decisions i I I, I kind of get it to a point because if they've grown a business um and it it's sustainable without them doing it then they get into this full sense of security that everyone else runs it the same way that runs their businesses the same way and they don't Certainly the buyer won't. These will be larger companies that have got sophisticated systems and processes and actually analyze numbers. Yeah. They don't take it at face value from the seller.
0: Well, exactly. That, that would be scary. And it's all about, you know, growing up, isn't it? You mentioned that hey, sometimes you outgrow your accountant. It's time to, to step up to a, a, a new accountant. You've got to outgrow your management systems and you put in new systems and processes and tools in your business. You know, there's everything grows. You know, and one of the things that accountants often tell me is they go, hey, look, the client never told us to change the brief. You know, They asked us to set up their company and make it as tax efficient as possible. Well, that's fine. We've been doing that over the last 10 years. They never told us that they're now looking at selling it and because if they did, we'd have changed the brief and, and you know, changed the way we, we work with them. So we've got to continue to educate clients and business owners that you need to get your business ready for exit. There's things and and that you've got to put in place even if it's just tidying up what you've already got the tools and structures and systems you've already got getting them you know exit ready or if you've got a bit more time you can start building on your assets that will increase your multiplier and your, your intangible assets
1: and also the soft issue daryl if you know your numbers as a business owner you're more likely to be able to sleep at night
0: for sure for sure
1: uh, it, it, you know it gives you comfort That things
0: are in control that's true yeah it it does it gives you come and and also knowing that all your eggs aren't in one basket yeah uh, yeah yeah absolutely yeah okay rob so so we've got some important things we've got the 11 commandments we've got the the seven cardinal sins uh, that's available in the book if uh, people connect to you Um, you'll send them a copy which is a fantastic offer But let's imagine now for people who are now at the stage where they're saying, I do want to, you know, my business is, you know, for for all I know, exit ready. I'm ready to exit the business. I need to find a broker. How do they find the right broker for them? Well, I
1: would always encourage a beauty parade because I'm confident about my team. I know they'll fare very well and um, because I recruited them all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Do speak with a number of um, potential partners because it will be a partner that will sell your business. Don't go for cheapest because you know j- just buying something cheapy, buy cheap, buy twice.
0: Yep.
1: Don't want that when you're selling probably the biggest single asset of your life. You don't want to entrust to the person that's the cheapest bidder. Um it's about value for money. And so check them out. I I, I always recommend look at three potential partners. Um, have a conversation with them, ask them some difficult questions and you can get the questions from my book. <laughs> so it's, it's a really good plumb line, um, a yardstick really to, uh, ask very specific questions, um, whether they're up to the job, some brokers, corporate finance people, business advisory, um, are good, uh, are good at what they do.
0: Brilliant. Rob, um, one of the things I always wrap up with with all my guests is, you know, you, you've shared a lot of fantastic um, wisdom and knowledge from, from being in the industry for a number of years. But if you could uh, consolidate it down into one top tip, what's the one thing you want listeners to, to walk away remembering from this conversation with you today?
1: I think it comes down to life after sale, creating the life that you really do want, because we're a long time dead we only get one hit at this, life. So what is the life that you want? I did this 10 years ago in my life, so I'm speaking from personal experience. What does that look like? What does that feel like? And what will you be doing? And that is the starting point. I call it a red wine plan, you know, sort of a leatherback chair, a log fire, bottle of Merlot, glass of red wine, and a blank sheet of paper, Create and architect the life that you really do want to lead. It might be that you continue in the business, but not spending 80 hours a week working in it. And that's absolutely fine. Who am I to say? Who are we to say? Sell it. So, yeah, yeah, red wine plan, leatherback chair, open fire, and ponder. We're all too busy being busy, aren't we? We don't think about the long-term
0: and that would be with a nice glass of Aussie red.
1: <laughs> of course, naturally. Oz, <laughs> Aussie Merlot, no problem.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Hey, Rob, thanks for sharing your wisdom with us today. Really appreciate your time um, and your offer to listeners. Uh, wish you all the best.
1: Pleasure. Take care now. All